0: pandemic, a contentious election cycle, a divisive media on both the right and the left, endless arguments over social issues, church division and arguments. If there was ever a time in the history of our society when we needed more of the Spirit in our lives, it's now. This series is a study of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we're talking about how we can have more of these things in our lives. Thank you for joining us as we talk about life by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Uh, And it is good to be back with you guys. I have been gone the last two Sundays. That's, That's rare. I usually don't miss two Sundays in a row. But uh, I was in Missouri two weeks ago, and I was in Kentucky last week. And uh, somebody messaged me and said, hey, "Are you trying out for churches? You know, like what's going on? Why are you traveling so much?" And I said, "No, no, it's hunting season. What are you talking about? Uh, you know, it's uh, I, I got to hunt opening day of duck season in Missouri." And then opening day of deer season in Kentucky, and then yesterday I got to hunt uh, opening day of deer season in Tennessee. So, I mean, it's, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, this, that's so when Scott said, in, when he was talking about looking forward to hearing me today, it was, it's good to have people to fill in for Russ when he has to be away, I felt a little guilty. So I wanted to confess that, that I was hunting. I wasn't doing anything of uh, of great like I had to be away, but uh, it was good to have a couple Sundays off to be able to do that. And I joined online during that time. I love having the online option. I actually worshipped uh, two Sundays ago in a duck blind. I have my phone and my AirPods, and I just I just kind of watched uh, as I was. And so it's cool to have that option. So I love the I love the online option for that purposes. But don't get any ideas. I see husbands right now going, "Hey, honey, see, I could be hunting this morning. I'll watch on my phone. I promise." Uh, no, don't do that. Um, I am here the rest of the year, though. So, the rest of the Sundays for this year, I'm here because it is Christmas time. And so, we got a packed calendar. I want to step you through it real quick. We're decorating for Christmas today. I'm violating one of my cardinal rules, which is no Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. But they're like, if we don't do it now, we'll have to come in during Thanksgiving. I was like, no, that's hunting season. We're not going to do that. So, we're decorating for Christmas today right after church and so you guys get off the, the early crowd gets off it's the second service that has to stay and help unless you guys want to come back up and help but let me walk you through our calendar real quick we've only got about six weeks left in this year and uh next sunday the 28th is advent so the first sunday of advent is next sunday our angel tree will be out next sunday we got 90 names on the angel tree and another thousand on the waiting list if you run out of names so i mean like boys and girls club said we'll take as many as you can possibly take for us so boys and girls club and head start is who we're helping with the angel tree that's out next sunday december 5th is the second sunday of advent and we're asking for all those angel trees uh, gifts to be back and we're also asking for all the the stuff you're collecting for centerstone to be back so the luggage uh the toiletries and the blankets and all the stuff that roddy talked about last week we're asking that collection day is december 5th on all of that so that's second sunday of advent December 12th is the third Sunday of Advent and our kids are doing something called the Gingerbread Bash. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds fun. And it's at 5:30 p.m. Tammy said it's for uh, ages 12 and down. The Gingerbread Bash is coming up. And then on the 19th is the fourth and final Sunday of Advent and we're having our impromptu Christmas pageant again. So if you're new to Murray Hills, we do things very different when it comes to our nat- We do have a nativity play. The kids put it on, but they do not practice. They do not rehearse. There's no learning songs. There's no having to gather costumes. There's no having to drop them off every Wednesday night at church leading up to this because you're already busy during Christmas. All you got to do is bring your kids on the 19th. They won't dismiss the children's ministry. Instead, we'll get them dressed up as angels and shepherd and sheep and Mother Mary and all of this good stuff, and then we'll have a play. And it's, it's the funnest thing we do as a church. I mean, you're going to love it. You're going to love it because it's, it's just a great fun. Uh, and that's December 19th. And then we've got Christmas Eve services on December 24th. We've got two options again this year, 430 and 6. And we are asking for RSVP again this year. So, and we're not doing that because of COVID. We're doing that just because we we want to know how many folks are coming to each service so we know how many chairs to have out and make sure that not everybody piles up in one particular service. So that link's not live yet. It'll be live next Sunday, hopefully, or maybe 1st uh, of December. But um, that's four thirty and 6 on Christmas Eve. And we're having a full worship service that night. Normally, we do kind of a We do readings and songs and that kind of stuff. We're going to have communion on Christmas Eve uh, because we know some of you guys are going to be out of town that following Sunday. And so this is an opportunity for you. This could be your worship for the weekend is the Christmas Eve service. We are going to have worship on Sunday the 26th following Christmas, but that will just be one service. We'll have a 930 service and Children's and Student Ministry won't meet. that will just be at 930. So uh, that's the plan for Christmas. It is coming up. It's here. Oh, We're having year-end giving on December nineteenth, and we're going to get out of debt this year. And like, not like, we're not going to. Yeah, you can, uh, you can woo that. I don't know who that was, but like, we're not just talking about we're going to put it on the debt. Like, we're going to get out of debt. We're one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars away from being debt-free as a congregation. We've had debt since two thousand six. We're $118,000 away from being out of debt, and we're going to knock that out with a year-end contribution on December 19th. So I am excited about that, and I'll tell you more as that comes up. But we got to talk about the fruits of the Spirit because we're in a series uh, talking about what it looks like to have God working in our life through the Spirit. That's, that's what this series is about. It's, it's based out of Galatians chapter 5, but you don't have to turn to Galatians chapter 5 because you're only going to read one word if you do that. Because what we're doing is that Paul says in Galatians 5, he says, listen, if God's Spirit is working in your life, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to, you're going to be uh, loving, kind, joyful, peaceful, patient, more self-controlled, uh, gentler, faithful. You know, He gives all these attributes and says this is what it looks like when the Spirit of God is working in your life. And so that's what we've been talking about. And we've been taking one of those a Sunday. So we've talked about self-control and gentleness and faithfulness and goodness. Today we're talking about kindness. And the purpose of this series is to help us become more like Christ in our lives, to help us walk more in the ways of Christ in our lives. That's the reason the Holy Spirit is given to us. I really believe that's the reason. You know, when we talk Holy Spirit, people kind of get off on all things, talking about tongues and prophecy and supernatural manifestations. And I'm, I'm not going to deny those things. But I'm going to say we, we miss sometimes when we emphasize those things, we miss the real reason the Spirit was given for us. I think the Spirit was given for us to help us become more like Christ, to help us walk in his ways. It's given for sanctification. Um, like I, I think the Spirit is far more concerned with our spiritual health than our physical health. And the Spirit is far more concerned with our sanctification than supernatural manifestations. And actually, if you think about it, that is the supernatural manifestation of the Spirit. The fact that somebody like me could be kind, or the fact that somebody like me could be peaceful, or somebody like me could have patience, or somebody like me could have joy, that is a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about that today as we talk about uh, kindness. And I want to start here with something that uh, Christopher Wright said. I think this is fascinating. This is, a, this is one of the books I'm using. I'm using three different books to kind of help me uh, think through this. But this is Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit by Christopher Wright, subtitled, Growing in Christlikeness. That's what the Spirit, that's what the fruits of the Spirit are about. It's growing in Christlikeness. And uh, he makes a point in this chapter that I'd never thought of before. And now, part of his point I'd thought of before, but, well, let me explain. What he says is that kindness doesn't come naturally to us. I've thought of that, right? Kindness does not come naturally. It's something we have to work at. Like, selfishness comes naturally. Cruelty comes naturally. Um... Having a sharp tongue or, you know, being irritated or being frustrated or having an outburst or losing your temper. Like, that stuff comes naturally. Nobody says, you know, I'm just working on losing my temper more. I, I've been, that's something I've been working on in my life, trying to lose my temper more. I've been working on being more irritated. I just, I'm not irritated enough. And I've got I to gotta work on that. No, we, we talk about working on kindness or I'm working on being more patient. I'm working, like, like, all of those things are things that we have to to work on. Kindness doesn't come naturally we have to work at it and I think the best example that I can think of like as it was to Christopher's point I'm thinking like I need an illustration or example like how can you prove that kindness doesn't come naturally and I thought of an example I thought of five actually Facebook Instagram Twitter TikTok and Snapchat <laughs> like just read the comments no matter how good, how much good news it is. There's a, an Instagram account I started following called the Good News Movement. And all they do is post videos of good news. Like, that's all they do. And the comments are, most of them are positive about it. But some of them are like, this is terrible. Why would you do blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's like, it's just the comments just devolve into like, what in the world is going on? Social media is like, we put stuff on social media that... Uh, we used to say to our spouses or our friends, and then they would talk us out of saying anything about that because they would say, no, that's not nice. What are you talking about? You know what I'm talking, you know what I mean? Like, like before, if somebody had upset us, we might say to our mom, you know, you won't believe, blah, 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 blah. We'd say to our spouse, blah, blah, blah. And they'd say, yeah, I understand you're upset, honey. Uh, don't ever say that. And don't ever say that to them. Don't ever say that to anybody else. Don't ever say that in public. That's not nice. Get over yourself. Don't say it. Social media circuit, short circuits that process like we post it before we say it and then mom has to send us a direct message that's never happened to me mom has to send a direct message to say you need to delete that comment honey Uh, I mean that's that's what it is I'll give you an example real quick that I saw it was kind of a funny example I thought uh, Bryson Leach put it up on Facebook he runs the My Town Columbia page and My Town Columbia had put up a post about West 7th Street being paved finally and that's been like the source of you know, if you're on the I Heart Columbia or iHeart Heart Spring Hill, I'm not on those. But I think people have been talking about it on there. Um, like that's been a source of frustration for a lot of people. They've been upset about the West 7th Project. We made fun of it uh, with our Halloween video. Um, I, I actually, we went to the Hoover Dam this summer. This is a little aside. We went to the Hoover Dam this summer. And uh, it's like one of the modern engineering miracles of the world, right? Well, the eighth wonder of the world is the Hoover Dam. And uh, our tour guide was walking us around. And he said, you know how long it took to build the Hoover Dam? four years four years and the first thing I thought it was West 7th I'm like man four four years to build the Hoover Dam in two years for us to and but I did not post it you know because I I know our city leaders have been just as frustrated as we have been about it but Bryson posted this like happy Monday y'all look the thing's finally getting paved and everybody's gonna be happy about this right well, then he posted this later and said, "Look at the my Columbia Post about West Seventh Instagram comments. Wow! Yay! Yeah, so excited! Can't wait to see it in person." Facebook comments: It's about time. I've seen better paved roads. <laughs> I've seen better paved roads. Um, what a waste of money. And I, that was my comment, completely accurate representations. That's a completely accurate, like it's, you're a little nice on Instagram, they're a whole lot meaner on Facebook, and thank goodness he doesn't run a Twitter account because it's a dumpster fire on Twitter on this stuff. I mean, it's just kindness does not come naturally. Now, here's the point that Christopher makes about it that I, just fascinating to me. Listen to this. He says, we need to remember that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, Precisely because it doesn't come naturally. Think about that. The reason kindness is a fruit of the Spirit is because it doesn't come naturally. He continues uh, the sort of kindness that Paul is talking about is not natural, but spiritual in the sense that it comes from being filled with God's Spirit. Such kindness is fruit. In other words, it grows because of the life of the Spirit within us, but it also has to be cultivated. It has to become a habit that builds into our character. Like, in other words, we need the Spirit to practice kindness in our lives. We need the Spirit to to be kind to other people, to, to talk kindly to other people, our interactions with other people, to do acts of kindness. Like, we need the Spirit because God is calling us to something deeper than just a superficial or shallow kind of kindness I mean he's, he's calling us to something that's uh, driven by God working in our lives we all know how to be fake kind and we even talk about that like oh just kill them with kindness we know how to be kind to people that we don't really like but we're just being kind to them but in behind their backs we, we gotta you know we're kind of frowning but we're smiling to their face that's not what Paul's talking about he's talking about, like be, be genuinely kind in your interactions with other people the things that you think about other people the things that you say to other people and that's not natural. We need the Spirit of God working in us to have that, for that to happen. So I got to thinking from that, okay, yeah, but how? Like, how do we do that? How do we practice more kindness? Or how do we, as, as Christopher uses this language, how do we cultivate kindness? How do we develop this into a habit? I mean, this is not like it's I don't know, like how do we do that? How do we How do we cultivate this, more of this in our lives so that we become kinder people? And uh, I came up with three questions that I want to share with you. And they're all different ways of really asking the same question. But um, they're good questions that we can ask ourselves that helps us practice the fruit of kindness in our lives. The first question you've seen before, uh, it's what would Jesus do? Now, this is a question that was popularized in 1896, not in the 90s. The WWJD bracelets kind of was a resurgence of a 100-year-old idea. So in in 1896, Charles Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps. And the premise of the book is that there's this reverend at a church who goes outside. They're they're having some type of uh, service, and he goes outside, and there's a homeless man who hears them singing these songs about serving others, and he asks the reverend, what would it be like if people actually lived the way they sung? Like, what would it be like if people actually did that? What, they're talk, what your congregation is singing in there, what would it be like if people actually followed in the footsteps of Jesus? What would Jesus do? How would we follow in his steps? And the text is, is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21. This is the, the verse that uh, Sheldon built his novel around. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps leaving you an example. So Christ is the standard for kindness. Like we think of how do I practice, you know, like how do I be more kind or what would look like kindness or we look to Christ as our standard for that. He left the example and we're to follow in his steps. And if you read through the New Testament, especially the Gospels, There's so many examples of that. So many examples of the kindness of Christ. I mean, there's there's just dozens and dozens that you can read through. But I was thinking of it like you put that question that What would Jesus do? It actually is a great place to start when we think about kindness because we think you know like, what would Jesus do when he was insulted by someone, or what would Jesus do if someone cuts him off in traffic, or what would Jesus do if someone keeps doing something that gets on his nerves? Like, have you ever thought about whether or not Jesus had pet peeves? You know what I mean? Like, we all have stuff that, that just gets on our, just grates on our last nerve, you know, and like, just, just quit smacking at the table. What's the matter with you or whatever? I was just wondering if Jesus, he had to have had pet peeves, right? But how did he respond? Like, I just, interesting to think about. Um, what would Jesus do when he got interrupted? What would Jesus do when he was stressed? I mean, you think about the times that we're not kind to other people, especially the ones closest to us, like the times that we're not kind to our spouses or our kids is usually when we're interrupted or we're stressed. I mean, both of those things is usually when, that's when we tend to lash out and strike back, but we're interrupted and stressed. So how, what would Jesus do in those situations? What would Jesus do when the Roman government does something he disagrees with? What would Jesus do when one of his brothers or sisters in the church says something that he disagrees with? What would Jesus do uh, when someone slaps him on the cheek or someone takes his cloak or someone forces him to walk a mile? He answered that question, actually. So that was a trick question. Um, I mean, that's really a way of kind of recentering ourselves and asking, you know, what, how would Jesus respond in this situation? And then how should I respond in this situation? So before we post, before we respond, before we reply, before we open our mouth, uh, we, we ask, what would Jesus do? That's, that's actually a very good way of doing that. These other two questions are kind of variations of that same thing. And they come from a sermon that John Stott did years ago on Colossians chapter 3. And in Colossians chapter 3, there's two verses where Paul prefaces the verse with whatever you do or in whatever you do. So the first one is verse 17. In Colossians 3 verse 17, he says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then the second one, a few verses later, verse 23, is whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And Stott uses this to ask two more questions. The first one is that Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord. So that means I'm acting as if Christ is working through me or living in me. I'm act- whatever I do, I do it as if Christ is living in me. So this is a variation on the what would Jesus do. Instead of putting it in the third person, put it in the first person and ask it this way. What would I do if I were Jesus? If I were Christ, what would I do? How should I respond if I were Christ? And then the second question, it comes from, from 23, about whatever you do, do it as if you're working for the Lord. Meaning that like, like Jesus is right there with me. And so this is the question that gets me. It flips, he flips it around. What would I do if they were Christ. Well, how would I respond if they like this is this was Christ that I was responded to? Christ posted that thing that I wanted to comment on. Christ said that thing in the message that insulted me and I wanted to talk about it. What would I do if they were Christ? And this one gets me because this is not so much of a hypothetical stretch. Because all people are created in the image of God, and Jesus is the physical representation of God. Jesus is the perfect image of God, so all people are image bearers of God. So that means the people that I insult, the people that I get irritated with, the people that I get frustrated with, the people that I lash out in anger with, the people that I cuss, the people that that I retaliate against, the people that I have revenge against, are fellow image bearers of God. I mean, I'm, I'm doing that to cry. Didn't Christ say something about that, about whatever you've done the least of these you've done to me or whatever you did not do for the least of these you've done to me? I mean, that's, that's just humbling, humbling to think about. What would you do if they were Christ? Like, when my son won't do his math homework and I'm getting just as much as I can take, how would I encourage Christ to do his math homework? Because <laughs> I guarantee you it'd look different. I guarantee you I would have handled it differently. With your... we, we went to school. Um, we had a meeting with this te- one of his teachers, and we were talking about like trying to keep him in his seat. And, um, and I said, you just got to tell him, you know, like he can't go until he does his work. Like he cannot get up out of that seat till he does his work. She goes, well, that's, you know, that's easier because you're his dad, and you kind of got the authority to be able to do that, and I'm his teacher, and it's, it's harder for me to do that. And, and Roman said, you want to know how my dad does it? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What's he gonna like He's in the meeting with us. And I'm like, what's he gonna say? He goes, he says, Roman, would you please stay in your seat? And then if I keep going around, he goes, Roman, I need you to stay in your seat. And then if I keep going around, he goes, Roman, sit down in your seat right now. That's like, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Let's change subject and go on. And the teacher's like, Roman, do you want me to do that? But I was thinking about that, and that's a that's a real story from this week. I was thinking about that, like how would I handle that differently if I was looking at, at him as Christ or I was looking at myself as Christ? How would I handle that situation differently? I mean, it would at least make me pause a little bit more. I may not be as quick to lose it. You know, at least pause a little bit more. I might, I might tone down my language just a little bit more. I might change the way that I talk to or treat him just a little bit more. It's kindness. That's, that's all we're I, I, we're looking for kindness, and our world is in desperate need of it, right? Would you say amen to that? I mean, our world's in desperate need of kindness, and I'm gonna tell you right now, um, it's not gonna come from the Democrats. It's not gonna come from the Republicans. Thank you, neither side, for saying amen right there. <laughs> it's not gonna come from the The pundits on Fox News, it's not gonna come from the pundits on MSNBC. They're peddling fear, not kindness. They're not in the kindness business. They're in the fear business. They're in the anxiety business, not in the kindness business. It's not gonna come from social media influencers, Uh, it's not gonna come from celebrities. It's not going to come from the wealthy. It's not going to come from high-powered CEOs. All the things that we tend to look to for like, somebody to lead us in some area, if we're going to have a kindness revolution, it's not going to be led by the typical leaders that we look to. It's not going to be led to the typical kind of the, the, the influencers, or the opinion leaders that we look to in all the other areas of our life. The kindness revolution won't be led by them. It has to be led by Christians. And and it has to be led by Christians because it has to be God, the Spirit working through us in our lives to to do something that really I think the world is hungry for right now. It just doesn't know how to do it. They just don't know how to do it, don't know how to practice it. There's so much anger and fear and anxiety that it keeps coming out in all these ways, but I think the world is hungry for kindness. That's what we're we're searching and longing for for kindness I mean they did they did a national news story about Luke Bryan stopping to change somebody's tire did y'all see that on the news and I watch I watch it it's national news a guy stopped to change a tire national news and I'm like okay I've changed the tire before what's the big deal I mean well okay he stopped and helped somebody what's the big deal is it because he's a country music star part of it but you know what the other part of it is that's, that behavior is so far out of the norm now that it surprises us as a country when somebody does something kind, especially somebody that's got money or somebody that's famous or somebody like, we don't expect those people to act like that. So when somebody actually does something kind, our world is surprised by it. like, wow, look at there, he did something nice. So think of what kind of could get started if, if Christians were just, just being kind. I mean, just practicing kindness in our daily lives with the people we work with, the people we go to school with, the people we interact with on a daily basis. We were just practicing kindness. It might be something that people find pleasantly surprising. They're probably not going to do a national news story on you, but I mean, they would be like, wow, this is, I mean, there's a Christian that, that's kind. I wasn't expecting that. Like, they're, they're, I, Wow. I mean, that's, what would that be like? It would would be like Christ. And so that's the challenge. It's it's interesting to me that at the end of the fruits of the Spirit, all these things start sounding like synonyms. You know what I mean? Like kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Like we're all talking about the same thing, aren't we? Yes, we are. (laughs) And Paul's saying that you put all these things together and it really, really makes a difference. Let me say a a word of prayer for us about that, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for uh, the teaching of your word in uh, in Colossians and 1 Peter, and there's many, many other places, but just the example of Jesus, who, who set an example before us of what it means to be kind. And it uh, doesn't mean that he didn't speak up or speak out at injustices or speak up and speak out about religious abuse or judgmentalism or those types of things, but he was genuinely concerned for the welfare of other people. And, and that's kindness is a genuine concern for the welfare of other people. And I pray that you help us to have that in our lives. You help us to ask those questions of, you know, what would Jesus do? But what would I do if I were Jesus? Or what would I do if they were Jesus? If the person I was speaking to was Jesus, how would I speak to them? If the person I was speaking to was Jesus, how would I treat them? And just help, help me to do that. Help us to do that as a congregation, so that we can continue to cultivate the fruits of the Spirit in our life. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. All right, next week. So Advent, clear up one bit of confusion. People are like, is life by the Spirit ending because Advent's starting? Nope, it just so works out that the last four themes, I had to make a little bit of a stretch next week. Forbearance is next week. It's supposed to be hope. Close. Uh, but the, the, other, the rest of them, love and joy and peace, are the common themes of Advent. So we're going to continue in the Fruits of the Spirit study as we go through the Advent season. I did want to mention this to you tonight. If you're able to come at Mount Calvary Missionary Baptist Church, that's over on uh, East 8th Street. And it's in their annex building tonight, Stand Together Fellowship. We're having a community-wide Thanksgiving service. And I'd love to have some, some representation from Murray Hills there. So I uh, invite you to come and to be a part of that tonight. Otherwise, if you want to come back about noon, you can help us decorate for Christmas. Or if you want to come back next Sunday, we'll see you then. Thanks for being here today.